Welcome to Climate Watch, a podcast that delves deep into the pressing issue of climate change. I'm Wang Zihan. This year marks the 10th anniversary of the Belt and Road Initiative proposed by China. The initiative aims to strengthen cooperation, infrastructure, trade, and investment on an unparalleled transcontinental scale. Over these years, the BRI has catalyzed nearly a trillion dollars of investment, formed over 3,000 cooperation projects, generated 420,000 jobs, and lifted 40 million people out of poverty. Yet its scope isn't just economic. The Belt and Road Initiative has also been stepping up efforts to seek green development, stimulating sustainability. In 2017, China introduced the Belt and Road Ecological and Environmental Cooperation Plan. In 2018, it released the Green Investment Principles for the BRI. In 2019, it established the BRI International Green Development Coalition. In today's program, we are going to explore how these visions and actions synergize with global climate change efforts. For years, China has made efforts to advance the green development of the Belt and Road Initiative, from pioneering clean energy projects and smart transportation to promoting green technology and green finance. The Belt and Road Initiative is propelling sustainable development and fostering climate cooperation among participants. For more on the green development and climate action under the Belt and Road Initiative. Gao Junya has spoken with Guo Hongyu, deputy director of environmental think tank Greenovation Hub. At this year's China International Fair for Trade and Services, the climate status under Belt and Road Initiative report was released. Can you shed some light on this report? How significant is it? Yeah, this report was released by the National Climate Center, and it mainly assessed the、uh, climate risks of the developing countries along the Belt and Road, and which finds that among different regions, the temperature increase or the change of rainfall differs. However, the general trend of increasing extreme weather events and increasing losses. Due to the shocks of extreme weather events, is the general trend for us. It is a really important report because it sheds light on the vulnerability of the developing countries in the context of climate crisis. Therefore, it is really important for us to support our developing country partners to identify and assess their climate risks and impacts, so that they will be able to formulate their national adaptation plan based on their national circumstances. Because this is the first step for them to identify the adaptation need as well as the financing gap to really build up the resilience. We know that efforts have been undergoing for years among the BRI participants to pursue green development. What concrete steps have been taken so far? In which sectors has the majority of the investment been channeled? We can see some progress in the policies and guidelines regarding the green development of the BRI in recent years. In terms of the capacity building, official data shows that China has offered training programs to over 3,000 management and technical personnel in the environmental and climate sector for over 120 developing countries. And in terms of the financing, China's investment in the BRI participating countries are mainly flowing into manufacturing, construction, and power-related areas. 
But we've seen in recent years, renewable energies has been a focus, as well as other new areas such as the health, digitalization, etc. There's a research which shows that in 2020, China's investment in BRI participating countries' renewable energies surpassed that of the coal power and coal mine for the first time. And uh, in 2021, the first half year of that year, China has no investment in the coal-related projects. China will stop building new coal power projects overseas and will also support the development of green and low-carbon energy for developing countries. Yes. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it's, a, you know, some positive progress in general. And are there any notable case studies or success stories of climate cooperation among BRI countries that could serve as a model for others? Yeah, actually, there are some case studies where China supports developing countries to improve its energy access and also improve the local employment through the investing in renewable energy projects, for example, in Sri Lanka, in Vietnam, and also in Abu Dhabi. The investment in climate solutions will support the developing countries to achieve a low-carbon prosperity. In the meantime, it can contribute to the employment of the local communities. Mm -hmm. And what experience or best practice do you think China can contribute in the area of green development? I think for China at national level, we've seen China's progress in green and low carbon transition and in building the climate resilience and in developing green finance policy systems and also to achieve a harmonious relation between human nature or to promote the nature-based solutions in combating climate change. So we think that uh, in terms of the dual carbon policy planning, as well as the energy transition and the synergy between energy revolution and air pollution control, and also nature-based solutions could all be the areas for China to share the experiences and knowledge with the developing countries. For example, many developing countries, they are still faced with severe air pollution issues. And we've seen that there is a huge synergy between energy transition and also the air pollution control. How to make the policy planning and how to make the technology and the financing as well as the fiscal incentives in place. These are the really relevant experience for developing countries. Regarding the green finance, we've seen that China is the largest issuer of the green credit products and the second largest for green bonds. Since China has announced the carbon picking and carbon neutrality targets, the People's Bank of China, our central bank, has already said that they will mobilize finance, especially through green finance, to support the implementation of our carbon neutrality goal. This is really important experience to share with developing countries as well, because many developing countries 
face uh, huge financing gaps. And uh, in addition to international financial support, if they can set up national sustainable finance policy system, they can shift their national capital and also mobilize international financial resources to support their national low carbon and green transition, as well as to build their climate resilience. Yeah, China did contribute a lot in the green development of you know other BRI participating countries. As far as you know, how is the BRI mechanism contributing to the global efforts in dealing with climate change? We think that BRI could play a very important role to contribute to the global efforts in dealing with climate change because many BRI participating countries are the developing countries. On the one hand, these developing countries are quite vulnerable to climate change impacts which might also hinder their progress in achieving sustainable development goals, such as the poverty alleviation or the uh, food security issues. So it is really important for these developing countries to have the support and resources and policy knowledge sharing on building their national climate capacities. On the other hand, Developing countries are undergoing rapid urbanization, industrialization, which means that developing countries will be the hotspot for the increasing energy demand in the future. This poses the great challenge for these developing countries to balance between their sustainable development and achieving the climate goals. As I said, uh, China has really rich experience in terms of the uh, energy efficiency improvement, the energy transition, and also the transport electrification. Through the Belt and Road Initiative, the green development of the BRI could really help support the developing country partners to achieve their energy access, to alleviate poverty, and achieve other sustainable goals. In the meantime, China's experience in the energy transition, in the low-carbon transport, green finance and nature-based solutions, as well as green finance, could really be shared to those countries to build up their green and low-carbon and resilient development uh, capacities. And in this way, the BRI could help explore climate-compatible pathway for developing countries based on their national circumstances. Climate Watch is CGTN Radio's new podcast focusing on the impact of climate change. We have conversations with people on the front line about this critical issue. Listen to Climate Watch on all major podcast platforms and join us in taking action to save the planet we call home. Quite a few participants of the Belgian Road Initiative have relatively weak economic foundations and poor ecological and environmental protection capabilities. It's not easy for them to strike a balance between economic development and environmental protection, which makes them more vulnerable to climate change. What specific challenges are these countries facing? What constructive role is the BRI playing? Gao Junya continues her discussion with Guo Hongyu. Yeah, we can see a lot has been done in terms of seeking green development, in terms of, you know, taking global climate action. What are the challenges hampering further progress? What additional actions should we consider? 
I think first one challenge is that there is still a lack of coordination among the policies and guidelines for BRI to encourage and incentivize Chinese overseas investment to focus on the green and low carbon and climate resilient areas. Another challenge is that there's a lack of harmonization between the green standards in China and other developing countries, which means it's uh, more challenging for Chinese investors to identify and support the green projects or green activities in developing countries. Lastly, the developing countries have many barriers to overcome in the first place. For example, they are faced by huge financing gap and combined with the increasing debt burden in the aftermath of the COVID pandemic. And also developing countries lack the necessary production elements such as the technology and the human resources. And also they also lack the necessary infrastructure and the supply chain to really scale up their climate solutions, such as to scale up the development of renewable energies, is hindered by the lack of smart grids or the power storage facilities. And also developing countries sometimes have some uncertainties in the policy making, even though they are faced by climate impacts disproportionately, but they still are not able to identify and make their national adaptation plans. Lastly, we've seen that developing countries has already included the renewable energy targets into their national nationally determined contributions and also in their national energy plans. However, we've observed that in some developing countries, they lack the resources to deliver these targets. So although they make uh, ambitious energy transition targets, sometimes they are not able to really deliver the targets. Yeah, speaking of those, you know, developing countries that are vulnerable to climate change, let's go to Africa specifically. We know that Africa has just concluded its first summit on climate change, which focused on driving green growth and climate finance solutions for Africa and the world. Given that the continent is disproportionately affected by climate change, despite low carbon footprints, and considering that almost all African nations are BRI participants, what strategies could be employed to boost climate resilience in Africa under the BRI mechanism? Firstly, China could cooperate with African countries through the BRI investment and South South cooperation. China could conduct technical cooperation with African countries to really identify the local climate risks and also identify the demands or gaps in Africa regarding the financing and technology in this way to support African countries to be able to formulate national adaptation plan and to identify their demand for international support. Another step is that African countries has been repeatedly demanding support for the early warning system building. So China has equipment, technology, and human resources, and China could further the existing cooperation with Africa on the materiological data sharing in order to build up the forecast and early warning capacity 
for the region regarding the extreme weather events and also build up their response capacity. This could, on the one hand, build up their capacity in dealing with the extreme weather events. On the other hand, they can reduce the overall climate impacts of the BRI projects located in Africa. And thirdly, based on the identified climate risks, China could incorporate the climate adaptation or resilience building considerations into our uh, existing and future BRI cooperation projects. For example, to improve our water resource management and also to incorporate climate smart agriculture technologies to benefit the local communities and also build the local climate resilience. In addition to the adaptation and resilience building, support the African countries to scale up their development and deployment of renewables is really important. Many countries in the region still lack the basic energy and power access, which will further influence their access to education, to medical resources, and also hinder their access to employment, especially in the rural area. And this also disproportionately affect the women or girls in the region. Yes, I think as you suggested, there's definitely a big role for China to play in terms of helping African countries to deal with climate change. And Director Guo, there are some analysis claiming that the construction of the Belt and Road Initiative actually is bringing more negative impact to the climate. What's your idea on it? I think this concern was the reason that we started to promote the green development of BRI. Because since the initiation of the BRI, the discussion was mainly focused on investment and trade. However, there's a limited discussions on the green development of BRI. In the first few years, we conduct studies trying to build up the links or connect the dots between the necessity or urgency or the critical role of BRI in terms of supporting BRI participating countries to achieve green development because many of the regions in BRI developing countries are climate vulnerable regions and also are biodiversity rich regions which have really delicate biodiversity ecosystems. Identifying the environmental, ecological and climate risks of BRI investment in the host countries is really important for Chinese investors to minimize the potential impacts to the local communities, to the uh, national climate targets, or to the local environment or ecosystems. And uh, that's why we've seen that following years, China has launched several guidelines on green development of BRI. But still, if we want to safeguard the BRI investment from potential negative climate impacts, there are still room to improve. Firstly, we need to identify the uh, developing countries' NDC targets and to assess whether our investments align with their NDC target in the short term and also whether our investments are aligned with the Paris Agreement in the long term because in the end, all nations are expected to gradually improve and enhance their NDC targets to meet the 
Paris Agreement. So from the risk management perspective, it is really critical for Chinese policymakers to improve their regulation and guidelines and standards regarding the climate compatible investment of BRI. And on the do good perspective, which is in addition to the climate risks, we invest in the green low carbon climate resilient projects. Studies have shown that the Renewable energy projects uh, remain more resilient during the pandemic compared with other traditional fossil fuel projects. Mm-hmm. You've been studying the green development of the Belt and Road Initiative for years. What do you identify as the most pressing issue or issues that demand immediate attention in terms of promoting sustainable development within the BRI framework? The window for action is really brief or closing. So to really scale up green development of BRI, I think there are some recommendations I'd like to suggest. Firstly, we could focus on the sharing of China's good experiences and practices of achieving green, low carbon and resilient development. On the other hand, China could really strengthen the regulation and guidelines on climate and nature-related environmental risk management. And we'd like to recommend that China's policymakers and regulators could strengthen the regulation for financial institutions and companies to conduct climate risk analysis and disclosure. And the policymakers and regulations could provide incentives for the financial institutions to invest in green, low-carbon, and climate-related activities because we have really good experience at domestic level and we'd like suggest that we could apply this kind of incentives to our overseas investment. We can define and formulate the standards or taxonomy between the green and the brown for the transition, which is necessary for developing countries to achieve the climate targets. We encourage Chinese policymakers and regulators to cooperate with developing country governments to develop a common ground standards on transition finance or transition taxonomy to define what activities could benefit the emission reduction targets. And for the financial institutions, we'd like to recommend that they could firstly formulate their climate investment strategies at institutional level. And uh, secondly, they could enhance their climate risk assessment for overseas investment, including stress testing, and also in order to identify the physical risks and transition risks of climate to their overseas investment. And also, we'd like to encourage financial institutions to enhance their climate-related information disclosure among the financial institutions for the development financial institutions. And also, the public finance could uh, play a leveraging role in fraud in private capital through blended finance to together support the climate-compatible projects in developing countries, because some of the projects, such as in the adaptation sector, is not commercially viable yet. And in this kind of project investment, that's where public finance could play 
a major role in de-risk the projects and also to lower the financing cost of the project to attract the private capital in the climate investment. That's Guo Hongyu, Deputy Director of Environmental Think Tank Green Innovation Hub, speaking with Gao Junya. Let's now follow Jiang Tao for an overview of the latest climate developments affecting our planet. Here in Asia, Hong Kong has been hit by the heaviest rain since record began 140 years ago. Typhoon Haikui made landfall in Fujian province on Tuesday. It killed three and forced 300,000 residents to evacuate their homes. In Europe, extensive flooding caused by torrential rains in central Greece has killed at least six people. The floods have submerged hundreds of houses, destroyed roads, and disrupted water and electricity supplies. In North America, Texas has recorded its second hottest summer on record. The average temperature in the second largest state in the U.S. between June and August was 85.3 degrees Fahrenheit or 29.6 degrees Celsius, putting it behind only 2011 for sweltering summer misery. In South America, Brazil is going to allocate 120 million US dollars to municipalities that have reduced the deforestation rates in the Amazon the most. Deforestation contributes to half of the greenhouse gas emissions in Brazil. In Africa, the first Africa Climate Summit has adopted a declaration that aligns the continent's climate agenda. The Nairobi Declaration includes the push for climate justice and the new models of climate financing. Data from global charity Save the Children shows that climate disasters have displaced nearly 1.9 million children in sub-Sahara Africa as of the end of 2022. Last but not least, a climate report published by the U.S. shows greenhouse gas concentrations, global sea levels, and ocean heat content reached record highs in 2022. The global annual average atmospheric carbon dioxide concentration was 417.1 parts per million, 50% greater than the pre-industrial level. The annual global surface temperature was 0.25 to 0.3 degrees Celsius above the 1991 to 2020 average. Global mean sea levels were the highest on record for the 11th consecutive year, reaching about 101.2 millimeters above the 1993 average when satellite measurements began. Since its inception, the Belt and Road Initiative has yielded fruitful results and profoundly impacted the global landscape. As the BRI evolves towards a greener vision, its role in champion global climate action continues to grow. That's all we have for this edition of Climate Watch. To listen to this episode again and to catch our previous episodes, you can search Climate Watch on major podcast platforms. You can also contact us via audio newsroom at cgtn.com. All your comments and advice are valued. Climate Watch is produced by CGTN Radio. Our producer is Ho Li Mei. Our executive producer is Gao Junya. I'm Meng Zihang. Thank you for listening. Thank you.